Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, it's Tom Price here. Welcome to a brand new episode of My Mate Bought a Toaster. Um, just to give you a bit of a heads up, in this episode, um, if you are any any audiophiles, uh, not as in audiophiles like .mp3, but audiophiles as in P-H-I-L-E-S, don't worry, the episode will start in a sec, um, you're going to get annoyed about the sound quality in this episode. Sorry, there were some technical issues, i.e. I was an idiot. So it sounds a, a little bit medium wave at times. So if you can imagine, I'm interviewing the fabulous Emily Leary, but it's the 70s and you're on, playing with your mum and dad's radio. That might help. Um, so normal service will be resumed soon. It's a cracking episode. Enjoy. Lots of love. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Ta-da! Hello, welcome back to My Mate Bought a Toaster. My name's Tom Price. You all know that stuff. But here's the interesting bit. Today, joining me on My Mate Bought a Toaster, I've got a fabulous guest. She's called Emily Leary. She's a multi-award winning food lifestyle parenting writer presenter and photographer emily that is many strings to a lovely bow you've got going on there just any excuse to buy more kit i think <laughs> yeah well hopefully we're <laughs> going to see that as we go through your hours just endless photography kit do you are you quite a um are you quite hooked on buying gadgetry um kitchen gadgets more um but yeah mm. I, I kind of I, I like new gadgets in in, in boxes I, I don't make uh, unboxing videos but maybe i'm missing a trick because of the amount of I silly gadgets those. i buy yeah the the um oh the unboxing videos are such a delight to watch it was kind of apple wasn't it who first who first made that a thing where you would open the ipod and it was this box that unfolded itself and it just said made in california in front of you and you were like Imagine, imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it used to be an inconvenience having to take things out of the packaging, but now that's part of the excitement. It's huge with kids as well, just unwrapping yeah. toys that are just designed to be fun to unwrap. You know, once you've got everything out of the packet, there is nothing left to do with the toy, but kids just love watching things being unwrapped. They do. I also see um, magazines in kids' magazines and news agents. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The, the passion. And the conviction which they have that they have to have that Fireman Sam magazine. And you're like, you are going to read the magazine, right? You're not just, yes, yeah, you're not just getting it for the giant uh, water pistol on the front. No. And then they just, it's all they want is a water pistol. It's so annoying. Yeah. And then you keep a stack of these kind of comics and magazines because they are going to read them. And then eventually they go in the recycling because they never looked at them. No, I know. So frustrating. So frustrating. Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll bitch about our kids later on. And um, before that, though, we're going back in time. Okay, Emily, we're going back to your first ever order on Amazon. Do you have any idea when that was? Um, well, as you'll have noticed when you logged in, it's my old surname. So I've been on Amazon quite a long time, probably early 2000s. Yeah, 2001, Emily, Emily Bennett. <laughs> as you were back then um you bought the york notes advanced yes cheating <laughs> cheating um to the uh the alchemist by ben johnson what an absolute snore fest that was do you know um i used to buy york notes quite a lot and mm. it's not you'll know this it is not the done thing at university no. um, you're supposed to leave that behind at a level and i actually referenced york notes in one of my film studies assignments Oops. And oh, my tutor was livid. He marked me down. It was a um, York Notes taxi driver. Yeah. Oh, he was furious. But it's annoying because he will have ignored the content of what you were actually saying in the essay. Yeah. But just the very act of saying York Notes. And that's it. You're done for. Yeah, I think he wrote, this isn't A-level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing about me going to uni is I actually left school when I was 12. So um, so I studied at home and, well, kind of studied at home as much as you do when you're 12. Yeah. Um, and then I went to college um, part-time to get my um, qualifications, m- mostly with kind of people who didn't want to be there. And I expected uni to be like 
um, like it is in kind of like films set in the 1920s. I thought everybody would be super academic yeah. and walking around with piles of books. Or on and, bikes. Um, Everyone's on a bike. <laughs> yeah. Oh my it God. was not the case. So hang on. Tell me, please, about this. Why did you... So you were homeschooled? Yeah, from 12. Yeah. You must be laughing at the from the bottom of your heart at everyone who's suffering during homeschooling now then. Yeah, well, <laughs> I kind of... I'm laughing, but I also feel really bad for my mum because I'm now finding out what it's like to be in charge of a child all the time <laughs> and be responsible for teaching them. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, mum. Yeah. Sorry. So so how come you ended up being homeschooled? What was the story there? Um, I'm just a bit weird. <laughs> I didn't really fit in at school. <laughs> Is that right? Is that true? Yeah, I just, I really, you know, primary school, they kind of let you live your life and yes. sort of wander off and play with the glue a bit and no one really cares. Mm. Um, and then I went to secondary school and academically I've always been capable, but like socially and in terms of adhering to a very institutionalised environment, oh, I was terrible, really mm. miserable. Really? Um, and so my mum, being quite the hippie, said, eh, study at home. So I did. And where was that? Where did you grow up? Uh, Lincoln. Right. Right. Yay, Lincoln. Yay, Lincoln. So so was it quite an idyllic, was it rural then, that a rural part of Lincoln? Or in the uh, city? Kind of five miles outside. I think I, I hated Lincoln growing up yeah. because it didn't have a university yet. It basically had just like one high street with hardly anything on it, lots of clothes shops and a castle at the top. So when I said I was from Lincoln, people would go, oh, a lovely castle. Like, yeah, but that's not where you spend your teen years. The rest of the high street was just nothing. There wasn't a university yet. There was nothing to do. Everybody was about 20 years behind the rest of the country in terms of fashion and knowledge and, and knowing what was going on in the outside world. So it was quite a kind of backwards town. So I was quite embittered and desperate to escape. Whereas now I look and I think, oh, it's nice and small and quiet. How <laughs> lovely. Maybe we should move there. I know. It's such a tipping point. Do you live in the city now? Where, where are you now? We lived just outside Nottingham, so which is kind of a compromise. So we lived in London until we had kids. Mm. And then Nottingham was going to be a kind of halfway house before we got back into London. But we've been here since 2012, so I don't think we're leaving. No, so nice. Beautiful part of the world. Beautiful part of the world. Um, so uh, that's fascinating that you, you wanted to be homeschooled. And it sounds so idyllic as well, just like... You can imagine uh, uh, you having all that time to yourself at, at home. So, I mean, did you get on with your mum? Was she a good home tutor? Did you do it all yourself? Yeah, so I was quite... Uh, how can I put this politely? I was a massive nerd. Mm. So in order to get my mum to let me homeschool, over the summer, between the first and the second year, I filled lever-arch folders with like projects and investigations oh. and cut stuff out of books. And um, oh, Do you remember those weekly? I think they were called Discovery or something, but it was little A4 cardboard envelopes that had kind of information about a different topic, mm. like the Tudors. Yeah. So I, I, I copied all them out pretty much wholesale just to prove I was interested in history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like presented this massive folder and said, look how driven I can you be. You made the case because you really wanted to be homeschooled, <laughs> didn't you? You didn't want to go to school. No, I mean, I was quite lucky because I've got two older siblings and they had quite cool friends. Yes. So I knew that if I was hanging around, I was still going to get plenty of people to hang out with and, yes. and things to do. Yes, this is true. I have two older siblings as well. And I still have that now. I kind of don't need my friends. I just hung out with their friends who didn't really like me because I was eight and ten years younger than mine. <laughs> but I still just kind of was like, oh, I've got my friends, you know, who's 20 or something. Um, do you find that you still expect to be the youngest in your friendship group? Because I'm 37 and I still expect to be the baby and obviously yes. I, I'm not now but I kind of expect to be the one that's kind of like oh Emily doesn't know what she's talking about I, think, I must do by now I know exactly that I just assume I'm the youngest and do you know what just this weekend just gone Emily I, I had my 40th birthday mm -hmm. and it's incredibly shocking it shocks you to your core because there is now actual empirical evidence that I am no longer young <laughs> because up until the, that point exactly that that it tended to be the people I worked with the people I knew social groups my wife's two years older than me all her friends are older than me. I'm just the young one. People go, could you put in 1980? That's impossible. And then in the last few years, as I head towards 40, I've worked with quite a lot of younger people writing on comedy shows and stuff. And I've become this sort of old cantankerous man. And it's really flipped my self-image because I've always yeah. been the young one. It's a really strange <laughs> moment. So, yeah, being the youngest of, of three siblings, I'm, it fucks you up for life, Emily. Absolutely. Have you done um, school teachers' evenings yet? Oh, well. Uh, I I have, and the the horrifying thing about that is that the pair, the the, ki the teachers are they're like twenty four, 
Yeah, they're babies. But you still call them Mr. Field or whatever. Like <laughs> yes. it's I, I am so scared of Mr. Field. What about you? Have you have you had the experience yourself then? Yeah, so my son, um, just before lockdown, had his first, yeah, kind of parent-teacher conference. And you take the kids round with you, which I wasn't expecting. Mm. But yes, um, acting sort of slightly scared and deferential to, like, these 22-year-old teachers was really odd. I suddenly felt like I should be telling them off. Yes. It's very strange. <laughs> well, let's, let's go back and let's find <laughs> out what you were doing maybe when you were 22. Actually, no, you would have been younger than 22. On the 29th of December, uh, 2002, uh, you mm-hmm. bought Rayman 1 and 2 collection for the PlayStation. So really great home schooling there really good stuff yeah yeah so um very very important to um to hang on to your platform gaming youth even when everybody else has moved on to 3d games by that point so everybody was getting really into the kind of quite complicated worlds Mm. and even mario had gone like n64 had gone 3d by then but i wasn't ready so i wanted to stick with with the platform games i'm still not ready i I actually played a text adventure the other day and i was very happy oh my god i (laughs) i'm so happy this is definitely a generational thing that you've done that i said to someone only about two years ago i was ranting saying i don't have a i don't have any computer games in my life because it's not platform anymore and he said you need to get Rayman. You need to get the Adventures of Rayman because yeah, because it's the only one. And now I've got my my son's got a Switch, so we've got um, Mario. It, I it's all about the platform games. I'm sorry, but Mario going 3D that was our generation's Dylan going electric. <laughs> it is really unpleasant, and the the whole kind of dual um joy-con so you're moving with both thumbs in a 3d way which Mm. obviously you know my son can do it he can play Fortnite, and i can't i just walk into a tree and then get stuck and he's like why are you staring at the floor because i don't understand this controller our brains aren't made that way so hang on in 2002 how old were you at this point 2002 Uh, 20 right so you're and you so you're at uni at this point yes Okay. okay was it weird going into educate into formal education and having been homeschooled Yes, guess what I did for, did when halfway through uni? Left. Goodbye, Sheffield. <laughs> Cheerio. And I switched. I took all my credits and I transferred them to the Open University and I worked while finishing my degree. Gosh. Because, again, you, you you can't pin me down for long. No, well, there I am at the beginning of this podcast saying, wow, look at you, Emily. Look at all the different things you do. You've ba- I mean, basically, you've got professional ADHD. That's okay, isn't it? I absolutely have. My CV is hilarious. <laughs> Nothing stays. But it also allowed me to kind of climb up the ladder. So I used to work in marketing and I'd kind of stick somewhere for six months in a kind of consultant's basis. Yeah. And then I would move on to somewhere else. But because of my experience at the previous place, yeah. I would move on slightly higher. And so I was kind of, I, I was employed way above my ability really young. Oh, really? <laughs> Do you think people liked the fact that you dropped out of uni? Because I always think employers, quite in, they're quite attracted to people who do that because it means you've got backbone and steel and determination and all those qualities. Well, yeah, I think, well, there was a little bit of nepotism involved because my sister is older mm. um, and she'd already gone into kind of marketing and PR. Um, she she already had lots of connections in kind of writing jobs. So I was able to wheedle my way into some quite good companies and get a bit of writing work really early. So it was possible for me to leave and essentially get the kind of job I should have got after uni while still studying. So for quite a while, I was wheeled out, I think, in various jobs as the kind of, you know, like show pony kind of young protege like look she knows so much already and she's only 21 um and, she's and, completed and I, Rayman too oh my god yeah i dined out on that for quite a while <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Where we're going, we'll be showing that we listen to toast Cause these lovely yeah. ass people gonna, gonna talk, talk to the hoes He's gonna ask a couple uh, questions What they're buying the most Cause one man got goddamn just like a piece of toast 2004, Emily Leary We've got uh, still Emily Bennett at this point, FYI Or are you? Yeah. Yes? Yeah, still Emily Bennett Okay, so um, we've got Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Jim Carrey, I love that film I love that film so much So I saw it with my boyfriend I was with for about three years so my first proper boyfriend mm. um and I just remember being so struck by the ending spoilers but mm. if you haven't seen it by now um yeah just being so struck by the ending and that kind of decision to be in a relationship even if it's painful and my relationship at the time wasn't but my next relationship was terrible so maybe I blame eternal sunshine of the spotless mind for convincing me <laughs> that Jim really Carrey's hard spot. relationships are lovely so you went into how long was the painful relationship there not a long one I hope uh, well, we, when when my name changes to Kegel. Oh. 
Okay, I'll keep an eye out for that. Great. The, the name change is how we track the different Emilys. This one, it's like, alert, alert. Okay, all right. Good, good, good. We'll keep an eye out for that. All right, Emily Leary, let's go through now to 2005. We've got some linguistics stuff going on here. Projects in linguistics, a practical guide to researching language, neuro-linguistic programming for dummies. Um, tell us about this. What's going on here, please? So I did... Um stylistics as part of my English literature degree so where you're learning about kind of the grammatical construction mm -hmm. of sentences and, and then how that affects the, the way that you experience the writing um, and I got really into linguistics so my plan was to study it at master's level right. um, but I never did no well I did I kind of half started it and then I thought nah <laughs> As you can tell, I'm really, really committed just, to organised things. I'm just really hoping you don't walk off halfway through this podcast. <laughs> just might get distracted by a fly on the window or something. It's amazing. Um, so, But neuro-linguistic programming is one of those things. I had an NLP session once, and it was quite interesting. Do you think that it's one of those things you learn and, and think about? And basically, every time you have one of these ADHD moments, you, mm. you're adding another layer of sediment to yourself so that actually when you end up doing the thing you want to do, you've got all this experience. And actually, going off on all these, what might appear to be dead ends, actually, that's very enriching, isn't it? My sister used to say about me, if some, someone was kind of like, hi, how, how, and how's Emily? And she'd say, oh, either prime minister or homeless, who knows? Because <laughs> <laughs> I would like shoot up like a star and then, and then lose interest or not be able to cope for some reason and move on to something else. And it was always like a sidestep or a step up. I never actually, I was quite lucky. I never really went back down. Yeah. But um, I think that, embracing that eventually in my 30s is probably how I've managed to stick at you know kind of food writing and blogging okay. since 2011 because I think finally I realized that actually it's okay if you get bored really easily and you need to flit around and sometimes you're all about creativity and sometimes you're only want to do admin and eat chocolate and if you build yourself a career and a life that allows for that then it's fine. Mm. What I was never any good at is being like everybody else. Yes, yes, very good, very good. And do you, see how I can flip it so it doesn't sound like I'm a waster. Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> not a dropout. You're just you're you're just sort of having a little. You're going along the the buffet, the trestle table of life. You're at the buffet yeah. of life. You're just having a sausage roll from that plate, and then <laughs> you know probably you don't want to talk about sausage rolls because actually there's not much sign of food at this point on your Amazon purchase history, which obviously is one of the main things you're all about now. So when did the food thing and linking that into your profession happen? Oh, well, I started my blog in 2011. So I was um, pregnant with my daughter. So I already had my son who was two. Mm -hmm. And during my first child, I didn't really get involved in the whole parenting community I didn't really make a big thing of my pregnancy I think there's like one post of the scan and that's about it on my old Facebook oh, wow. okay. um I was working in quite a male dominated marketing environment so I kind of like oh, oh by the way I'm pregnant but we'll put that to one side mm. um so when I had my daughter I really wanted to to celebrate that and be like hey I'm a parent again yeah. and kind of and start to actually own that side of my life um, but in a kind of very not feminist way, I thought, oh, well, nobody will want to hear about it in my main profile. So I'd better create a separate one to talk about babies and breastfeeding and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I did. And that's what became my blog. And just because what do toddlers want to do all the time? Well, they either want to play the same game over and over again, or they want to do craft or they want to bake. So I just did loads of baking because I like baking mm -hmm. and tastes nice. So we started to photograph that and put it on the blog. And what had started off as a kind of, I'll just write about being a parent and it'll be a nice way to kind of keep my brain busy and not feel completely cut off from the world while I'm birthing a human. Mm. It, it kind of turned into this very food dominated space. And the yeah. more I wrote about food, the more I cooked, the, the happier I became. Do you think that must be quite tricky for you becoming a parent when you you have up until this point dipped in and out of things but now when you're a parent that's not really something you can dip in and out of yeah you can't kind of do it for 18 months and then go actually no mm. <laughs> it's just not it's, it's tricky <laughs> it has legal ramifications maybe i just went for a different kind of child this one isn't really working <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah um it certainly forces you to settle down I mean my marriage to my son's father broke down when he was tiny like a few weeks old I know unheard of for me mm. um and so and then I was it was just me and my son yes. so 
I had to be very responsible and very organised. You know, I couldn't be moving every six months and because I fancied it, no. different city. Yes. Um, so I had to become more responsible. Um, and we became a very well-oiled machine. You know, he went to nursery and he came home and, you know, we had a routine and everything worked. And then I would drink about 10 cans of Diet Coke so I could do my work in the evenings because <laughs> there was never any chance to do it elsewhere. You need sleep. Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, and I, when I met my husband... Um, he kind of didn't quite fit in because I wasn't really planning anyone else. It was kind of working just me and my son forever against the world. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was a big change. But he is a very organised person. So I was the kind of person who used to get up at 10 to 9 to pull my clothes on and run down our street to our school, which is only around the corner, because it was around the corner. Mm. He used to get up earlier. Mm. My right. husband is the kind of person who gets the kids up at 7 so that they can leave the house at 8.30 to walk the 10-minute walk to school with plenty of time. He, I mean, it's the perfect match. Yes. The yin and yang. This is the dream ticket. <laughs> the dream ticket. All right, well, we'll get on to, we'll get on to when you meet him, because we're still back in 2006 at this point. Emily Cagle. Yeah, oh, I'm married, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got, I'm married for the first time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you buy on the 13th of November, 2006, mm. the Highway Code and the official DSA Complete Theory Test Kit. Yeah, guess how my driving lessons went. You did a couple and then thought, nah, not for me. <laughs> oh my God, I'm such a failure. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I, it physically frightened me driving. Um, I, I was actually not bad at it. And they said I was ready to take the test really quickly. Mm. Um, then I got pregnant in the f- February, maybe, of 2007. Right. Um, and so the, um, the the steering wheel was moving further and further away. <laughs> you need longer and longer arms, telescopic <laughs> arms like Mr. Inspector Gadget. And my sensible brain, my, my kind of nascent parent brain was saying you really should be able to drive because you'll need to drive your children around yeah. and um and and my much overriding brain was going but i don't like it mm. so um so i stopped you don't like being told what to do no this is the thing and with driving you've really got to be told what to do otherwise it's it's, it's anarchy and carnage yeah i mean you know i got my gcse's i got my a levels i got good grades yes. i got a good degree but um i have to want to do it you can't make me do something mm. i don't want but to it's, do. it's great because you're so self-aware of this and you, and that makes because you can, you know, write your own narrative. You know what you are. You know what you're all about. And a lot of people, things like this would happen, and there'd be there'd be an element of shame, and they'd tell themselves they were a failure. But no, I'm hearing like this is what I am. That's just the way I am. So I'm going to use that energy for positive things, right? Yeah, and I have friends who've kind of been in the same career for 25 years, and I genuinely think, but how? Oh, no, I know. And often they're they're not actually that happy, but they're happy enough to have stuck with it for 25 years. And I just I just can't. I can't imagine being able to. It's like there comes a point where my brain is no longer willing to function in mm. relation to that particular task or topic because it just doesn't like it. You're creative. You're a creative force, Emily. And look, in 2007, this is interesting because you have just alluded mm. to the fact that um, when you had your first child, you kind of didn't jump onto it and become mm. one of the you know, mummy brigade, for want of a less awful expression. I don't know where that came from. Um, but it's true because no- what normally happens is when people have babies, certainly on their Amazon, the number of things they order goes through the roof because they're buying all the paraphernalia and the kit and they're, you know, sort of filling their house with an arsenal of baby caring stuff. Yeah. And this isn't me saying you don't have the kit. You must be terrible. This is me saying it's interesting <laughs> that you, you know, you just seem to glide through it without. We've got a few things like Mirror Me, the Baby Einstein uh, book um faces baby's very first book so some gorgeous i love those first books for babies they're so beautiful aren't they yeah yeah so and i i clearly wanted to stimulate his mind immediately as soon as he was born mm. well you also bought on the uh, 4th of september 2007 introduction to the english legal system so he that he would be very advanced for that i actually for fun took um a uh law course with the open university and and it it wasn't in order to facilitate the divorce that you knew was coming. <laughs> I I just, uh, as you know, I, I'm not entirely clear on what I want until my thirties. So I thought I'll just study a spot of law. So I did an equivalent to kind of first year law course. I mean, it comes in very handy when um, when clients are being unpleasant. I think, hang on a minute. <laughs> I remember reading a reading a case about this. Yeah, I know some taught. I've, I mean, I've read a John Grisham. That's all I can do. This is absolutely fascinating. So so you, you dive into law. So you have a baby and think, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do. Become a lawyer. That's what needs to happen now. 
Um, and, and so how long did you spend on this project before you... It was a year-long course, and I did do the course. Right. And it, was, it wasn't like, you know, it didn't... It was part credits towards a degree of your choosing, because that's kind of how the Open University works. Mm. So mm. I could or couldn't have taken it further. I think probably I was thinking a little bit as well that because I'd left London I was setting up completely on my own and I had never run like a limited company with staff before mm. so rather than just kind of spending half an hour with the solicitor I just decided, decided to study law for a year. To get ready. So when did you yeah. and your then husband split up? Um, it will have been so my son was born in November 2007 yeah. um, by Christmas. Wow that is yeah. a, I mean that is it's a very tricky time when you have the baby yes and i think it was a let's just hold on until the baby's here let's see let's see if things get better yeah. um, baby newborn babies do not make strained relationships better no. it turns out they really <laughs> so, don't they really, no. i think the first year with my elk my eldest uh, had terrible sleep problems he, he had colic and he had he didn't sleep for more than uh, 3 hours for the first 4 years of his life and my wife and I, I, I think, I, I, God willing, that's as close as we ever come to splitting up. But it was mm -hmm. really difficult, really hard. The sleep deprivation and just the noise, the noise, Emily, the screaming of this baby it means, you know, your all your conversations. What used to what used to be free associating chats and thoughtful connections with each other, you just become like business partners, can, sort of exchanging information yeah it's so strange yeah, very much and because even that sleep that you have is kind of with one eye and one ear open ready to leap out if there's a problem you kind of do go mad and you have that kind of wounded feeling all the time like everything is against you so even if your partner kind of says oh did you want a coffee it's like i'm sorry is that a problem <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> i don't know why i'm cross with you i'm sorry but also i hate you <laughs> <laughs> You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Jack Beaumont. I do Crime Club. In Series 1, I spoke to people like this. Did you not kick a policeman in the head? Yeah, that was, when was that? I was 17. Wait, was I 17 or 19? I think it might have been 19, actually. In series two, I talked to people like this. There was a paedophile with one leg. I kicked him clean out his wheelchair. About four of us, I mean, we battered him. And this. Cheated on your boyfriend to give him gonorrhea? Do you want to go there, or would you rather not? Yeah, no, 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 I could talk about it. I have jingles like this. That's Crime Club, where strange people tell stories involving bad behaviour. New episodes out every Monday. My matey bought a toaster. Well, let's um, uh, skip on ahead then. November 2008. So your son's now a year. Uh, you've got the mm -hmm. Alphabet 123 coloured soft play mats. Lovely. That's a good one. Yeah, we love yeah. those ones. Really good. Come on then, count from one to nine. I don't <laughs> care if you're only one. Do it. Um, also in October, you bought the Blue Trek G2 Plus Bluetooth headset. You see, this is a very, this is, we're seeing the yin and the yang here. We've got the mum at home putting alphabet on the floor, but at the same time, you've got an earpiece in, like you're going to start running a minicab firm or something. I mean, this is the kind of the classic, I don't know how she does it all kind mm. of era. So I'd be, so I bought this headset, which turned out to be absolutely useless. <laughs> but um, my theory was that it would be better than trying to push the pushchair with one hand. So if I needed to do a work meeting, 
I would, and my son wasn't in nursery or with his grandma, I'd put him in the pushchair and just kind of fly out of the house for one second. (laughs) Because babies are generally quiet if you push them around and let them look at ducks and things. So I'd do that, and I had a theory that it would be easier if I was hands-free, but, yeah, that that headset was useless. (laughs) This must have been (laughs) a very challenging time. So, And what is the business thing that's happening at this point then? You've done done the law course, you've got the child, you've had the divorce. What is the business that's going on here? So by that time, I had been kind of in... PR and copywriting since leaving uni so I'd had quite I had quite a few years experience already so I was supposed to go back to my job after maternity leave but I kind of couldn't because I'd moved to be near my Mm mum because you need somebody to help when you've got a tiny baby it really makes you realize how great parents are when you have kids yes Absolutely. I genuinely don't think I could have survived mentally without my mum at that point. Mm. Um, So I had to set up my own business and kind of go after more kind of regional clients, which is really hard because, as I said, only recently that anything started happening in Lincoln. Um, So, yeah, so I'm trying to run this kind of nascent PR, copywriting, marketing, whatever you want, mate, kind of business. In Lincoln. Please give me some work. Yes. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah pr in lincoln i mean what do you what are you putting a spin on what's the what are you pring what are you marketing at this point it's very difficult there's a lot of companies that are kind of like we've hired somebody new it's like cool can we can we get that in pr week like, probably <laughs> but, <isn't> that... <laughs> i mean it won't be a headline but i can try <laughs> okay so so you're you're pushing that boulder up the hill at this point so we're not mm-hmm. you've not become the uh multi-limbed uh food lifestyle parenting writer and all that stuff at this point um lots of books april 2008 lots of books for the little one um the very funny fish the very ticklish tiger the bedtime bear uh this is all bought on the 29th of april you bought like seven books for your kid in one session was that like a right come on he needs a library now moment so is this 2008 or nine eight. this is eight, eight. eight. okay so um my son was speaking and responding to like the rhyme words so young oh, really? that it actually frightened my mum. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had her, we had him on my hip. I don't think he was even quite one. Please tell um, me he's you know, called Damien. <laughs> um, I don't usually share his name, but I have to because it's relevant. He's called Joel after the character in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. No way. Yeah, see how it's oh all coming around. You see what we find out on your shopping mystery. <laughs> Gorgeous. So we're walking around um, my little flat um, in Lincoln. Um, he's on our, he's on my hip. He's on Mum's hip, and we're singing all the usual songs. So like, you know, down by the station early in the morning, and um, my mum went down by the, and this tiny little baby goes station. <gasps> and we're like, what? Oh, that's so spooky. Like, early in the morning. <laughs> we're like, what? What? <laughs> That is, kids are, everyone says how magical they are, they are terrifying. <laughs> he, he he was so smart and so, well, and he was quite a skinny baby, so he looked quite young. So, he'd, you know, by the time he was kind of a young toddler, he'd be having full conversations and I'd be chatting to him in his pushchair and people would stop and stare. Yeah. Like, how is this tiny little person? And he's quite... He's quite unusually well-spoken, probably more well-spoken than me for some reason. Right. Um, and, and so he'd be like, yes, mummy, and that sort of dinosaur. And it's this tiny little baby, and he'd identify all of the um, car badges and all that kind of thing. And he was just, he could not get enough information. He still can't. He's 12 now. But this is you, right? This is you. Because look, look at everything you're buying on this thing. You've got, um, bang. Getting your message heard in a noisy world, 12th of January, 2009. <laughs> you know, you are and you're putting the public back in public relations. How social media is reinventing the ageing business of PR. That's from uh, the 8th of March, 2009. And this is you. You've got a lot to say. You're you're shouting at the world, right? You, you are ready to make a mark. Well, this is actually, I think. Um, so my son is autistic. And I think, actually, if you put me through the whole... Um, the whole diagnostic uh, diagnostic process. I mean, <laughs> look at me. I probably am too. There was certainly a lot of nodding when we went through the whole process with my son. Oh, I was like, really? oh my God, that, that, that's me as well. But I, when I discovered that people wanted me to do their social media, social media is people behaving, but it's on a screen and you can see patterns. Love it. So I took to that really well um, and started to get quite a few clients in that space who wanted... PR but wanted it with that 
digital first, new media, as it was called then, mm. kind of angle where they wanted to understand how to harness these kind of real conversations. So that became my specialism and was right up until I quit it all to do my blog full time. But that was several years later. I must admit, looking at your website, amummy2.co.uk, as yeah. I was the other day when I was uh, researching you. I mean, I say researching you, I was just looking at your recipes going, yes, please. <laughs> um, your website's absolutely mint. I was just like, f- I actually took a screen grab of a couple of things to send to, weirdly, my father-in-law is designing my website <laughs> at the moment. So I was like, God, she's fucking good at building a website. Um, and yeah, okay, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. So when did your son get um, diagnosed with autism? Um, so I kind of knew because my mum, she's retired now, but she's a childcare lecturer. So I helped her study when she was studying for her degree and stuff. So I had seen all the kind of Baron Cohen study into theory of mind and stuff. Which is Sasha Baron Cohen's dad, isn't it? Uh, Uncle, Uncle, I think. Uncle, right, okay. Yeah. It's a weird connection, Um, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, very weird connection, but uh, unusual enough surname to notice. Mm. So I kind of noticed when he started to do things like organise cars by colour, learn all the car badges, know everything. So he's he can hyper-focus and learn everything there is to know about a subject. Right. Um, and so I kind of always knew. Um, didn't take him for any kind of formal diagnosis until he started school because, much like his mother, it's once you put a different mind into a setting that requires certain behaviours that the differences start to show. Yeah. So that's when we kind of, I mean, he doesn't need a diagnosis. It doesn't make any difference to who he is. But in terms of how the world treats him and to make sure that he's treated fairly and that certain behaviours aren't misinterpreted as meaning things that they don't, mm. it was important to have the diagnosis. Mm. And does he get on okay at school then? It's all it's all going okay? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. um, <laughs> he's just done secondary school, so <sighs> guess how that's going. <laughs> all right, okay, let's move on, Emily Leary. Um, we're going into 2011 now. Um so by 2011, uh, you... Oh, there's loads. September 2011, the Octonauts action figure. Love a bit of Octonaut action. Yes, please. Um, Facebook application development for dummies on the 1st of September 2011. So here we are. You're working up this uh, this PR machine. So you're still... You're not the blogger yet, are you? You're still working for the people at this point. Yeah. So 2010, met my husband at the start of the year. Yeah. Um, married him at the end of the year. Um, <laughs> she don't hang around <laughs> well I, i've been with my previous husband for like six years before we got married so i thought you know when you know you just know you do you just know. yeah yes. we've been together 10 years now so it was fine yes. um yes so i had i had done that um and then i went to work for um a big telecoms company in london probably the biggest who could it be I wonder. um mm-hmm. doing their social media strategy and then was about to move back into london with my husband I'm thinking we can just about afford a flat, you know, like Crouch End. Maybe we'll have to sleep in the living room and fold the sofa bed up. But yeah. we can move back into London. It'll be romantic. And, It'll be yeah, and our son can have a bedroom. It'll be fine. Um, and um, obviously, <laughs> we were married, so um, we hadn't been being super careful. But I thought, I'll just take a pregnancy test. It was negative. All fine. Um, and then we went and we found the perfect flat in Crouch End. And I gave my card details, but I said, but don't put them through until Monday because I get paid on Monday. And then you, there'll be enough in there for the deposit. Yeah. And then I got home, I felt a bit sick, so I thought, I'll just take one more test. And that was our daughter. Oh, so, my word. <laughs> when was this? So Sorry, when to, was this? Um, beginning of 2011. Right. So we'd literally just got married. So I was having to phone this um, estate agents and leave calls going, maybe don't take that deposit just yet. <laughs> so suddenly the plan to move to London was, um, was cut short, shall we say. Yes. Wow, that is dramatic. That is dramatic. Like, looking at the two lines on the pregnancy test. It was quite, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because, it, I mean, maybe there are people who genuinely want a baby so much that when they see the two lines, they're not scared. But that's mm. never happened to me. Even though I wanted both children, I still looked at the pregnancy test. And, you know, when you go from kind of normal body temperature to about 110, mm. that's that's kind of a yeah. whole new person, whole new person. It's going to be fine. I know. Um, <laughs> so a sliding doors moment there saw you nearly, nearly moving into London. And then suddenly your daughter dragged you out of the M25 and you ended up where? So near Nottingham. Is this, is this where we are at this point? Yes. So my husband um, is a designer and he got a job for a record label in Nottingham. So I said, OK, well, we might as well do Nottingham for a bit. And I um, got a job at um, a big um, utilities company instead, which is in Nottingham. Which one could it be? Mm. Um, so <laughs> so uh, doing the same thing, social media strategy. Um 
and um, by that time I'd started blogging because my daughter was born in October so I was doing some blogging while working um, at this utilities company doing their social media getting shouted at a lot and um, by the customers, not by my employers. Uh, <laughs> and and genuinely just wishing I was at home blogging and cooking and doing things that were much more fun. Yeah. Um, it, and it was genuinely, you know, other people took cigarette breaks and I went to the loo and kind of wrote a blog post for 10 minutes and came back. Wow, you really, really had a really desire to communicate that, didn't you, and get it out there? Yeah, you know, and I'd, I'd spent so long by this point working with companies and working out um, what their personality was and how they were going to manage answering customers and how they're going to engage customers so that customers wanted to think about them and engage with them other than when you know their line was broken or their electricity wasn't working. Yeah. Um, so much time doing that and it was such a battle. There were so many times where you know we'd do something beautiful but for you know for the for the fifty percent who would appreciate it, there'd be fifty percent who just wanted to shout about their line not working. Understandably, I am yeah. that person now. Yeah. I've got kids, <laughs> I have no patience. Hello, Virgin Media. <laughs> so um but when I publish something as me, you know, here are some cakes that we've made, here's how we did it, this is what you'll need. Mm. All positive. I mean, not all positive now. Some people can be pretty nasty, but oh, generally God, yeah. much more positive. And being um in the words of Bo Burnham, a self-centered artist, oh, I liked it. People, people telling me I was doing well every day. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to do that and not be shouted at. Did you feel like it was that moment where you went, hang on, this is what I've been wanting to do. I've been out working for other people and sort of trying to push agendas and ideas for other people and, and, and exper- exploring other careers the whole time. And suddenly the door, your daughter, turned inverted, turned everything back onto you. And you're like, that's what it is. This is where it is. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's really weird because as a copywriter or a PR or a marketer, whatever, you are behind the scenes. You're not supposed to be visible. So, you know, when somebody watches an advert or reads an article in a paper, they're not supposed to think about the PR that pitched in that story. You know, you're not supposed to think about the social media meetings that went on to, you know, to decide to have a particular quip back about tea, for example, like is going on on Twitter a lot at the moment. Yes, Um, yes. not You're not meant to see the planning that goes on. So I had always been invisible and I was very happy being that but yeah Mm. obviously at some point in my 30s I obviously reached adulthood and (laughs) yeah but you wanted to be visible you had an identity that you wanted to put out there and 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 look here we are 2014 right uh you spent 88 pounds on the tabletop studio lighting kit the lights are now on you Emily you've turned the lights on to you so weird so weird and um and I I'm you must have you know had this the first time you see yourself on video or the first time you hear your voice and you just think wait who is that (laughs) um and if anybody wants to go back to my very earliest YouTube videos it's really cute because I used to try to lower my voice because I thought it sounded on video so much higher than in my head lower lower so I'd be like oh today I'm (laughs) (laughs) all right Nigella hello (laughs) it's very sweet because you can tell that that I think I'm correcting something. Um, it, and you can see like the earnestness in my eyes. I'm doing my best. Um, so, yeah. Right. So this is, so your, your, when did your YouTube videos begin? 20? Oh, um, probably quite early. Yeah. Right. I think that there's an old channel, which I may have deleted. And then there's a newer one that's a bit more polished. Um, if the old one is still up, I did a video of um, reviewing baby Annabelle so you know those babies that kind of cry and they'll suck a dummy and all that kind of thing yeah and I sent it um and my own baby was quite small so I'm rocking this baby the whole time I'm doing the review which is a little bit weird (laughs) um because it's not real um but I'm kind of like you know when you do the slight slight bounce in your arms yeah yeah, so I'm doing that the whole time I also speak there a couple of times so obviously just insane this is what we all are when we're um when we've got new kids, I remember putting uh, washing into the, I was loading the washing machine on, you know, 20 minutes sleep. And as I loaded, and I put the washing machine into the washing machine, I said to the washing machine, there you are. Because <laughs> that's the sort of thing you're doing. You're so used to feeding children or whatever. Here we go. Or the classic is to be in the um, uh, in the supermarket and you've got a shopping trolley with no children anyway. The kids are at home mm-hmm. and you and you rock the shopping trolley backwards and forwards. Yeah. Because this is what happens to you. Your brain has, uh, you know, there's there's some new software in there. There's some new software. You know, you're no longer platform. You're now three dimensional. The worst thing for me um, when we had my daughter is um, 
my husband is a designer so he can do quite like like um heavy metal um album covers and stuff so really like rock sometimes even gruesome yeah. and he'd show it to me and i'd be like oh that's very good <laughs> no no <laughs> please, please don't do that please don't again <laughs> the worst one is when you refer to you get referred to as mummy by your husband so like like uh, the kids will come and say, "Mummy, what time's supper?" And she doesn't hear, so I'll say, uh, "Mummy, what time's supper?" Yeah, and like, and then I end up calling my wife "Mummy," and that's just that has to be stopped. Yeah, I think it's okay as long as you don't carry on after the kids have gone to bed. No, which is what apparently Mike Pence does. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently he called he refers to his wife as mother. He calls her mother. <laughs> we never really use any of our real names in this house. Everybody is called anything, mm. so it doesn't even have to be relevant. It could be like. You know, like bottle of sunscreen. It's just whatever we're looking at is now the name of the person we're talking to, and it's how we know that there's a problem. So if 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 Mark was upstairs and he shouted Emily, I would literally drop this call and run because it would mean something was really wrong. If you call really? Emily. Yeah. It's not even cute names. It's just absolute nonsense. Well, like so, just like an object. So he'll say, uh, "Lamp, can you?" Yeah, exactly. Well, I think they tend to have like a little bit of kind of comedic, like sibilance or rhythm mm. to them. I remember, I mean, it definitely comes from my family because my older brother used to call my younger brother chunk of cheese and slice of wholemeal bread. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weird things that families do. I love it. I love it. We like to listen to toast and we're not the kind who would boast. Fourth of February, Minecraft soft plushy toys. Can we talk about my uh, Minecraft, please? Because my eldest has just fallen into appropriately a Minecraft cave, and I've not seen him for about the last two months. Does it get better? I think that it is the best waste of time kids can have if they you know it, i mean obviously it's great if they want to kind of pick up a musical instrument and teach themselves to grade eight but we don't all have kids like that no. um I, I mean it's there's lots of kind of maths involved you know you have to be able to calculate how many you need of something to be able to craft it into something else yes. there's lots of planning um there's teamwork if they're working with somebody else which obviously yes. involves a lot of screaming at each other but even so um, yes. I think it's great. Okay, good. And there are I'm very so glad many you games that. that are horrible. So I know. Exactly. Yay for Minecraft. It's not like Call of Duty or anything. There's very little blood. Although my son did show me um, him killing a dog on there the other day, and I was like, "All right, mate, let's not do that." But it's um, he plays it on his Switch, and then he goes upstairs and he FaceTimes his best mate Heath, and yeah. they sit together for a couple of hours, ah, screaming at each other, but building stuff. And you're like, "Hang on, if they were here doing Lego, which is essentially all this is." Yeah, I would be thrilled. I think this is great. They're playing Lego together for two hours. So, yeah, okay, good. I'm glad you said that because that does that does back up my vibes. All right, moving on from uh, Minecraft. Then, yeah, look, you've got lots of gadgets here. Awesome, lovely. Oh, a GoPro, two hundred and seventy-four pounds on a GoPro in May 2015. Tell us about this. Um, so, um, one of the perks that everybody knows about being an influencer is mm. that you occasionally get sent on holiday. And um, it hadn't really happened to me because I focused mainly on kind of tips-based stuff and and food. And then Disney called, huh. actual Disney. <laughs> it's Disney on the phone. Oh, hello, Disney. Where are you? Where have you been? And they said, so we've got this um, j- journalist tip taking people to um, Disney World. And I was thinking, which one is that? Mm. Um, they're in Florida. Um, and one of the journalists had to drop out. So can you come to Disney World Florida for a week <gasps> on Thursday? Budge brownies. What? And look, with and the I kids? Like, and, yeah, and I was kind of like, on, on my own. He said, no, 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 with your husband and the kids. And, and I was looking and thinking, well, we're right in the middle of the school term. And I was like, yes, mm. yes, we can. Yes, we'll make this happen. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we um, we pulled everything together and, um, and went to Disney World in Florida for a week. Um, so I got a GoPro so that we could... Um, record cool shots in the end it just ended up being like wonky shots of one of the children's legs going down a slide but you know well, it, they, the intention was there and what are they after afterwards so they you make these videos of you at disney world yeah what do they want you to do put stick it up on your youtube channel yes yeah, so i wrote about it on the blog and i shared it on social media while i was there mm. and i probably did more work than was required of me because i remember getting back and 
one of the main red top papers who was i won't name specifically mm. um had written their piece came out and it was literally like two column inches that just kind of said like disney world does this and here are the oh, flight times wow and that was a whole week's holiday just for that for their family Jeez. yeah and i thought cool i want to be a journalist no. <laughs> and don't change careers again i'm like uh, <laughs> no, keep her in the same lane but the nice thing is my husband um is a photographer as well um, so um, we both carried cameras and we kind of took photos together um, and that kind of started the travel area of my blog because I realised that we could go on trips um, either gifted or that we bought ourselves and we could take it in turns to shoot what we were doing so that yeah. we could both still be present rather than one of us being kind of working all the time Yeah. Um, and produce content and still get a brilliant holiday. So we don't do a lot of it because... Um, it's kind of I like being at home I'm kind of a hermit this whole lockdown thing suits me fine mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but yeah it is quite cool and it is it is the biggest perk so a lot a lot of the way that influencers are perceived as getting loads of freebies is is really not the case because ultimately why would I want to do three days work for a packet of free biscuits like it's not as glamorous as it sounds no but a, a, a week in in Florida was, was that is was as quite a highlight. As it sounds. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Don't start trying to say it wasn't that good. Actually, it was really exhausting. Uh... Yeah, so much expected of me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so you bought some quite serious kit as well. Twenty sixteen, you can see that things are kicking off now. You've um, yes, you're buying all sorts of uh, gadgetry. You've got some. Um, got a microphone for like 550 quid. So this is the yes. life of now a, an influencer, a YouTuber, a video maker. You are making your own content and sticking out online. Um, we don't need to know the ins and outs of how to do that. But in terms of how that makes you feel, you must at this point be like, I have really, really landed here. This is exactly what I want to do. This must be very satisfying. Um, yeah, you think so, but no. Um, <laughs> I am, I, <laughs> so my therapist says, um, I don't have, have a lot of self-belief and I genuinely always think that I could do better. So one of the things that I've really struggled with having done this since 2011 is I've always got my next goal, but it's very hard for me to actually spend any amount of time enjoying that goal like achieving that goal before i'm kind of focusing on the next one yes. which is very unhealthy so i mean you probably know as a performer like just being on tv in some way is probably like a significant goal but then once you've done it, it's like yeah but i haven't done this oh but i haven't done this so it's very hard and also you know creative people are incredibly insecure it's it's like fundamental to our jobs mm. um it's very hard to think I have made it. And so, yes. you know, when I had a book published, I thought that's it, you know. But actually, it only took a couple of days and I was thinking, well, it's not selling as well as her book. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is it. As soon as you get entered, you know, as soon as you're into the next room, you're into the VIP enclosure or the, the book writing enclosure or whatever, you find reasons to, to be dissatisfied with that. But it's that dissatisfaction which has driven you to get there in the first place. That's the problem. And you can't switch that off. No, exactly. And that's always that thing. How much should you tell yourself off in order to be driven forward but not so much that you're crippled with self-hatred mm. and i think yeah that that's a balance that you've got to find but one of the things that i have learned probably by seeing the kids be kind of equally dissatisfied with themselves um is to encourage them to focus on the small wins so not kind of you know when i have completed this entire year but you know kind of i completed a day of school or i completed a day of work or whatever and just kind of celebrate the small steps because you know, ultimately, I didn't just get a book deal one day. It was years and years of learning, of developing an idea in my head, of finally putting it into a proposal, et cetera, et cetera. And it was all those little progressive steps mm. that got to the point where I achieved something that I considered worthy kind of thing. So, yeah, that's what I try to focus on. But the point is, and we've discussed this on a recent episode of this, you've got to, in, you've got to enjoy that process of all the other learning and... and you know the creativity bit. If if you think that the, the 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 fruition of your dreams and stuff coming together is going to make you happy, then you're going to be brutally disappointed. Because actually, the best bit is the striving and attempting and and pushing and thinking and working and hunger. Those those are the best bits. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is why I've stuck with this for so long because I absolutely love cooking and I love the idea of coming up with a recipe and then making it happen and then the kids not saying it's completely shit and then <laughs> yeah and then the best compliment them, you can possibly get it's 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 not shit oh my god they didn't scream at me <laughs> um you know and then thinking about how i'm going to style it for photography and then seeing an idea that's in my mind and i've never been able to draw or paint or anything like this so being able to 
create a food layout that looks like it looks in my head and for it to look beautiful so rewarding so mm. i i enjoy that whole process i enjoy thinking about the questions that readers are going to have and trying to answer them yeah. you know seeing my blog come up the rankings having people message me to say you know i made this for my so-and-so's birthday mm. so that is like a constant reward so i love all of that yes and you just have to ignore the success don't you this is the thing you've got to do otherwise you know you just end up when you win you you sort of look around for the the i don't know the the you think you've got to the bottom of the rainbow you think all right where's the pot of gold i'm there i've done it and it's not there it's those little moments on the way those are the key things oh look a woman's epilator electric hair removal 26 pounds 21 june 2017 now i didn't know what an epilator was until i started doing this podcast and you are not the first person to buy this thing this is essentially a device that pulls your hair out see this is i could talk about this for ages it fascinates me that that women are so comfortable ripping their hair out and yet yeah. You can genuinely, like, not faking, not wimpy. If you if you pull out a single eyebrow hair from a man, their eyes will go so bloodshot, and they might even sneeze from the pain. And I just like how how is that not more biologically studied that somehow we have more <laughs> le much less pain sensors in the root of our hairs? It's yeah. really weird. Yeah, it's but so it's true. It's so true. I just I cannot believe there's a machine. It's a torture device. And hilariously, the next day you bought Germaline New Skin Liquid Plaster. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I am a modern woman, and I don't believe that you should have to remove hair. I'm also um, half Jewish, so um, I've got really pale skin and mm. really thick hair, mm. um, and it grows at a rate of about a millimetre a second from my legs. <laughs> so I kind of don't think I should have to. It comes through, it's irritated, it goes stubbly. You know, like a lot of men have just chosen to have stubble rather than clean-shaven. Mm. Kind of, I was kind of fine with stubble, but eventually it'll start to annoy me and I'll want to do something about it. And obviously shaving just puts you into an endless cycle of discomfort. Yes. So um, I tried waxing strips, but that, I mean, they're fine. They don't hurt that much, but it's really boring. And also if anyone has ever tried to wax the back of their leg, it's oh. quite a contortionist thing. Yeah. So you're sort of weeping with pain. And also it's like a terrible game of Twister. It's like torture Twister, essentially. And then half the hairs are still there mm. and you've got kind of, bits of wax stuck all over your leg that mm. you don't notice and then you sit down on like a sofa or something and you've just got like sexy um, kind of like fluff stuck to your legs amongst the half cropped hairs so an epilator you could you don't have to be able to see what you're doing so you can just kind of mow wherever you need to mow yeah, and it pulls the hairs out just go quite, mowing the smell fun, of though. freshly epilated hair um, exactly it does it smells great and if you do it like on a bed then when you get up there's like um there's like a snow angel except it's a gap with hair all around it <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's an advert for the epilator this is what these influencers do you see they're trying to make you buy stuff all the time um loads of tv as well scandal broad church all sorts of stuff this is in 2017 you're um getting this on your amazon prime um what else have we got here there's so yeah. many things emily that you've bought in the last couple of years this is like a special in its own right i got at the end of 2017 i had viral meningitis oh my lord so i rented a lot of tv then because i was I was, I was quite poorly for quite a few months after I got out of hospital, so I, I caught up on many a box set. Holy heck, how on earth did that... You know, my, uh, my father died of that. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, years and years and years ago. My God, Emily, that's so dramatic. How, how and when did that happen then? Um, I was on a press trip, and I had a headache all the whole week of the press trip, but mm. I thought probably jet lag um, because we were in the um, Emirates. So I thought, you know, it's quite, it's quite a big time difference and you know eating different food and all the usual things that that you do when you're away from home yeah so um and i was reporting on how the airline kind of cooks so i was in a lot of factories with the kind of the lights and stuff so you know i thought it was pretty normal to have a headache mm. plus you know getting given champagne for breakfast and that kind of thing yeah it's just a, it's just a controlled hangover for a week yeah okay um, so i got home and um and my neck was really stiff and i thought well i've just been on another nine hour flight so of course my neck is stiff um, and then I felt really, really rough. So I went to bed and my husband was kind of fussing around me. And I said, look, it's the start of the half-term holidays. Just take the kids to the park. Um, I'll be fine. And um, and I got I went downhill so quickly, but I didn't want to be a fuss. So I called 111 mm. and said, like, I don't want to be a fuss, but I'm vomiting and shaking and I can't move my head. Yeah. And they went, oh, they went, oh, don't worry. And then um, a first responder car turned up and then a main ambulance. Um, and I, apparently I wouldn't take my duvet off 
because I was convinced I was really cold. Um, and then my husband got home with the kids. And of course, there's two emergency vehicles outside. Oh and loads of people with all the kit around me. Yeah. So I was like, take the kids away, take the kids away quick. So they mm. didn't get scared. Um, yeah, I was in hospital for two weeks. Um, it was viral, so it wasn't life-threatening. But um, mm. initially, they thought it was in my actual brain, So, um, which is called in. Encephalitis. That's what that's what did for my dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it's, that, I mean, God, though, that, and that just sort of naturally evolved. It sort of naturally came about. Thank God you you phoned one 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 though, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I do I really don't like being a fuss, so I was quite a, kind of apologetic even mm. in the hospital. But yes, when they thought it was encephalitis, obviously that is potentially fatal. And I remember I couldn't see because the lights were too bright. Um, but I remember saying, but it's it's going to be okay because you found it. And they were saying, it's good that we found it. I was like, but I'm not going to die because you found it. And they were saying, it's good that we Ooh. found it. So that wasn't fun. But yeah, I got right. out about two weeks later, but it took months to fully recover. Of course. Of yeah. course it would do. Why? Wow. So I watched a lot of TV. Do you think, it's, <laughs> do you think it, 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 I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't call it a near-death experience because I don't, I don't want to over-dramatise your life. But do you think that changed your outlook on certain things? Has it changed you? I've, I mean, I think that I've had a really, oddly, um, quite an unhealthy relationship with food in my teens, as almost all teenage girls do. So, you know, not eating very much and so forth. And then I got um, IBS in my kind of late teens, early 20s, so I could never settle my stomach. Um, and I ate very little because eating upset my stomach mm. and so I got into a mindset of being used to being very skinny and thinking that that was somehow intrinsically linked to my health and well-being and happiness mm. so it was less about need to be thin because they're thin on the tv and more just I thought that it was important for me yeah um and I hadn't quite twigged onto that I think until I was in hospital thinking no one ever thinks oh, i wish i hadn't eaten that cake because then I could, I could easily have been like a size 10 instead of a 12 oh my god you know when you think you're never going to see your kids again you're, you're wishing you spent more time with your kids you're mm. wishing you ate the cake and all that kind of thing yeah so even though it was probably only about 24 hours before they said actually it's only in the lining of your brain you'll be okay yeah. um yeah it did make me realize that that i needed to be kinder to myself and focus on the things that make me happy instead of holding myself up to this these weird kind of body standards and I know from following a lot of people who talk about body confidence that you know even the ones who will take photos with all of their folds and say you know it's absolutely okay to be who you are this is the body that carried you around it's too late by the time you get to our age to to see a picture of a skinny woman and not feel envy or you know to see a picture of yourself not looking your best and feel dislike towards yourself so I think yeah, a health scare certainly kind of slaps that out of you a bit. Yeah, yeah. When you come close to saying goodbye to yourself, it makes you mm-hmm. appreciate every second you've got with yourself, no matter what size you are. Okay, look, let's move on to lockdown now. Okay, let's find you now in the last few months. And <laughs> hilariously, you bought something which I actually bought, the uh, small dispenser with 10 ultimate chlorine tablets. <laughs> exactly the same product. Was it for an oversized paddling pool by any chance? And you were convinced your kids were going to get malaria? Yes, indeed. And... As, as you know, we had to reschedule this because I had a sinus infection. I am convinced it's because paddling pool water got in my sinuses. Yes, it's it's really gammy paddling pool water. But you don't, <laughs> you don't want to empty it every day because it's a vast amount of water. It is. And, and you're terrified that your water bill is going to come and, and then, you know, your local water authority is going to be like, it's all your fault that there's yeah. no water left. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they use the chlorine tablets. Um, well, I'm glad, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't anything worse after the... Uh, <laughs> but the, the chlorine tablets doing their job, doing their job. Though. Um, I think so. I don't know. There's always that kind of like... Mm. Are yeah. they though? Yeah, are, they, I know. are we just are we just swimming in each other's filth? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um and look at this, here we go. Uh delivered Wednesday, a Coleman gazebo, an event shelter. Tell us about your gazebo. Ah, oh, so you know there was really good weather. So we were in this bloody paddling pool and I was really worried that, you know, even with um waterproof sunscreen, you know, they get in the water, you can see the sunscreen floating on the water. Yeah. Goodbye, and sunscreen. So yeah, yeah. So the sun was all um blasting down so i thought we needed like a cover for the uh paddling pool so that the sun is not blasting on them directly it is so hard to find a gazebo big enough to cover a 10 foot paddling pool <laughs> you've done it you've done it you've spent 127 pounds i mean you spent 130 quid on one or you could have just moved the paddling pool next to a tree 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a big paddling pool. Right, okay. So it's kind of what one spot that it fits in. We've killed all the grass in the garden. Um, <laughs> but so, from the chlorine. <laughs> so not to, not to allow myself to think that we've wasted money, we've set it up on the like little patch of decking outside of our, our kind of living room doors. Oh, nice. And, um, and, and we've, been, we've pushed the, the garden table underneath it. And we've been doing homeschooling in the garden under the gazebo, which sounds really posh. It doesn't look as posh, but let's just pretend it's like super posh. Yeah, that is, that's a nice image to leave you on. I like that. <laughs> we have the girl leaving school, d- d- determined to let her mum uh, let her leave school when she's 12 years old. And then here you are in a garden under a gazebo with your beautiful children in the paddling pool. I, I like that. That's a good place to leave it. <laughs> um, that feels like a success. Listen, Emily, this has been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for coming in. They might have bought a toaster. Um, and uh, and we can find you. So a mummy two. That's t o o. co. uk. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's a mummy two everywhere on all social, or you can just search for Emily Leary, and hopefully no other Emily Leary will become more famous. No. Well, let's let's hope not. I find that <laughs> highly unlikely. Um, Emily, thank you very much uh, for joining me on my mate bought a toaster. What a brilliant chat. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Oh, the fantastic Emily Leary, uh, who is on all the social media as a mummy too. T-O-O. Uh, go and check her out. She's absolutely delightful. And what a story uh, she has. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. And um, do you want to come back next week? Yeah, it'd be great if you did. Thanks. So please do subscribe. Thank you. Bye. My name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast apps and that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.